You are listening to 106.9 Tune FM, the home of Student Powered Radio, where we are giving you O Week content all throughout this week. And right now, I am here with a very special guest. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Xiang Gao. I'm a lecturer of political and international studies. So, what are some things that first years can look forward to in your units? Oh, well, first, congratulations on starting your learning journey with the University of New England. And welcome to Political and International Studies. Um, I'm also the convener of the discipline, so welcome you all. And in the first trimester, I'm teaching an exciting unit called International Relations in the Asia Pacific. So this unit, first, we place a region in the historical context, and we, we look into the various approaches to study international relations of this region and then we consider the key players in this uh, asia pacific region including china japan taiwan north korea you know south korea southeast asian countries the united states new zealand and australia and we're looking to those traditional security issues that concerns war and peace, such as North Korea nuclear issues, the territorial dispute on South and East China Sea. And we're also looking to those non-traditional security issues that arise after the Cold War, where we pay more attention to environmental issues, human rights, public health. So we want to look at those things in the Asia Pacific as well. We will look at the rise of national nationalism and national identity and some recent development of the indigenous rights and human security in the region. And of course, for us living in Australia, we will look at Australia's engagement in the region as well. And um, recently, Tonga's volcano eruption that triggered the tsunami further reminds us the vulnerability of the Pacific Island states and Australia's regional power and responsibility in, in this area area. So I'm lo really looking forward to discussing that with the first years. And I also have some very interesting guest lecture lined up. I've secured a scholar to talk about indigenous rights and ethnic minorities in the Asia Pacific. Um, yes, I'm yeah, I'm very excited about that. And we provide good support to students learning this unit both online and on campus. Well, that's the unit I'm teaching. But since I'm here, I might do a bit shameless promotion of our other political and international study units for the first year students. We have a unit called um, the Introduction to Politics that introduces you to the fundamental important elements of politics, like what is power, what is leadership, why the government has authority or legitimacy to enforce COVID-related public health order, for example. And it will help you to think and act politically uh, about the key contemporary issues that affects us all. So that's another one. And last but not least, we have the introduction to Indigenous Australia for first first year students. And this is the first time our discipline incorporate indigenous studies into our um, offering. And this unit promotes a deeper understanding of indigenous Australia, 
the past, present, and the future. And a, a lot of emphasis in this unit will be placed on the importance of identity, the diverse of community, the different uh, interest representation, and the uh, resilience of indigenous community in Australia. And it will be of great use, I believe, in a range of career path, if you like to choose, from social work to government job, or a public sector, if you like. So those are the three very exciting, fascinating units we're offering in T1. Very nice. <laughs> so where can this course of study lead students into the future? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, you know, when when I started to study uh, politics and international relations, I imagined myself a very glamorous diplomat in the future. <laughs> <laughs> but the study per se really fascinated me further, so I decided to become a scholar. But that's mm. one of the career paths. And in our discipline, we emphasize a lot on the employability agenda and, tra and training. We believe that politics and international relations is a good liberal arts degree that can provide general analytical skills, critical thinking, and it can be applied to many um, industries. Um, if you are interested in public sector, this government job, research institution, um, education, nonprofit organization, international organization, like the United Nations, they take internship every year. Um, and if you want to go for the private sector, this policy and business analysis, risk analysis for corporations, you could do public relations, social media, law, or even journalism if you want. And this degree provides a good understanding of world and society around us. And this understanding, I believe, can generate creative thinking and innovation that a lot of employers value today. And the second thing about this degree I want to mention is that we want to build the active citizenship for our students to prepare our learner to know how to participate and contribute to community as qualified citizen, which I think is very valuable, as valuable as landing on a good job. And um, well, if you're interested, there's a lot of famous people with great career had a politics degree. For example, the 37th uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand, Helen Clark, who, was, uh, who is very much loved in New Zealand and had a successful career at the UN Development Programme. She had a master in politics from University of Auckland, where I had my uh, PhD, so I'm very proud of that. <laughs> and she even taught at the politics department for a few years there. Larry Fink, for example, the CEO of BlackRock, which is the largest money managed firm in the world, he had a degree in political science from University of California, Los Angeles. Um, and our very glamorous Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, she studied international studies from Northwestern University, and she even worked for US Diplomatic Corp before becoming an actress. So there's a lot of hope for me, I think, and for, for you too. <laughs> and, and of course, there's exceptions. I think, uh, I believe our current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, does not have a degree in politics, you know? So mm. you know, sometimes I wonder, maybe the Australian public policy would be a little better if Mr. Morrison had a degree in politics. You know, just saying. <laughs> you never know, right? <laughs> 
Um, so what are some developments that are happening in your area of study this year? Um, well, there was a lot of exciting study trends and development in my area. First, um, my area of studies is comparative politics and international relations. So comparative mm. politics, um, basically working on the diverse political system to compare the similarity and differences and see how that affect the policy outcome. So for example, mm. we have representative democracies like Australia and the United States. They have similar type of political values. But if we look into that, they, uh, they are not exactly the same. We have Westminster system here. We have parliament. We elect member of parliament to represent our interests at the parliament, while the United States has presidential system. And then if we look at something totally different, the authoritarian state where the government was not democratically elected, such as North Korea. So we compare those different political systems and see how that affects the public policy making and the policy outcome. So that's comparative politics. And another thing I'm interested in is the international relations. So that looks into the politics of the countries around the world, how the those countries interact each other on the international stage, you know, how foreign policy or foreign affairs are made and dealt with, the strategic um, behavior and the arts and the glamorous of uh, diplomacy. So those are the two areas um, I, I'm, I'm working on. And it's a very interesting time to study those areas. Um, mm. I summarized this three trends that that's particularly interesting. First is the rise of populism and populist politics. So populism focuses on the individual political leaders and their direct connection or unmediated relationship with the people instead of the elite. And so uh, individual political leaders are supposed to concern about the real problem and grievance of the people. And a lot of sensitive issues were discussed under this lens, such as race, immigration, uh, public health issues such as COVID, uh, border control, all those things. Um, and the rise of populism, we, we sing it in different countries from across different political systems, Trump's US, uh, Macron's France, Xi Jinping's China, and it's not necessarily a good thing for democracy because there's too much emphasis on individual political leader and the mass majority while ignoring the, the establishment and maturity of political system and the minority rights. So that leads to the second interesting area is the fragility of democracy. According to this uh, in study institute, variety of democracy project, they have uh, researchers all over the world collecting data from 1900. Uh, they have elements to measure democracy and the level of democracy we enjoy every year and all over the world. And according to their study and many other researchers say, the liberal democracy actually diminished over the past decades. The number of liberal democratic states has declined from 40 something to 30 something. And only 14% world population living in liberal democratic states. So democracy overall is in decline in the world. 
And in those democratic states, we see the increasing fragmentation of democratic society. That means there are different and diverse view um, from the society. A lot of people do not identify their interest in line with the two major political parties, such as in Australia, in New Zealand, in the United States. And there's a lot of interesting things to study there. The media's mm. grow, the public uh, opinions, and how the policy were made to reflect diverse uh, interests. And associated with that, on the other side, we're looking at the authoritarian states. Um, mm -hmm. They did not fall as we predicted decades ago. They got stronger, actually. So we're mm -hmm. looking at the longevity and the legitimacy associated with their policy performance in those authoritarian states, such as China. It enjoyed great economic achievement in past decades, improvement of living standard, and now they're emphasizing on controlling COVID. They still have a zero uh, cases policy. So all those performance generate a lot of legitimacy for those authoritarian states. So we're in interested to see the other side of the world as well. And the last one is, I, I would say, it's the rise of the social movement that mm -hmm. transcends national borders, um, such as Black Lives Matters, hashtag mm -hmm. MeToo, various indigenous movement and environmental climate change movements that happened in the past few years. And we see there's a lot of social movement related to COVID-19 and its uh, disease control, you know, vaccine booster, all those things. And that, 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 asked, um, that leads to an interesting thing is that the conventional wisdom of international relations only pays attention to the state, to the countries, mm -hmm. to the individual countries, instead of the individuals and social groups. But then with the end of the Cold War, we started to pay attention to those individuals and organizations in international uh, relations. And the, the recent rise of social movement re-emphasize on that. So we would like to see how it goes in the future. So those are the three trends I think are particularly interesting to study right now. And another shameless promotion for our units, we have a lot of wonderful units that address those issues. We, uh, we have politics in the developing world, if you are interested mm -hmm. in the developing countries. We have Chinese politics, both domestic politics and international relations. We have units looking into the key contemporary political issues. And um, we, we also look at Australia's relations with the Asia-Pacific states. So yeah, we've got all covered there. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing wrong with a bit of a shameless promotion. Oh yeah, I love, I love that. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts to send out to our new cohort? Oh, well, congratulations again uh, for getting to UNE and welcome to Politics and International studies. Um, there are a lot of exciting units waiting for you and I really look forward to meeting and knowing each of you if it's possible. And the first year university could be a little bit daunting 
I remember my first year, I live in a dormitory and somehow the dormitory does not have a washing machine for a while. So I had to hand wash everything. And after the first oh. few washes, I noticed the skin on my hands start to come off. So I, want, <laughs> so I wanted to say invest on a good pair of rubber gloves, but I, <laughs> but, but I think our dormitory has great facility that you won't encounter the same problem that I did. So that's all right. <laughs> so good luck with your first year studies. Study hard, keep interested and have a lot of fun on top of that. And well, stay tuned with politics and international relations and stay tuned with our amazing UAE's radio station. Beautiful. Thank you for speaking with us, uh, Dr. Ziang Gao. Uh, that was an interview with Dr. Ziang Gao here on 106.9 Tune FM, where we are bringing you O-Week content all throughout the next few weeks. But right now, let's get back to the music.